Hey, so welcome to another interview. I'm here today with a gentleman by the name of Andrew Faribi. Did I say that right? <laughs> Faribi. You, you can start over. <laughs> Faribi. I, I knew I was going to get that wrong. <laughs> Andrew Faribi. Okay. Well, I just wanted to welcome you, Andrew. All right. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks so much for being here. Um, I knew you when you were first starting out your your website, Knowledge for Men, and I uh, you asked me for my feedback back then. I don't know if you really had a, a plan for it back then, did you? I mean, how, how have things developed for you? I mean, I know a little bit about your backstory, but why don't you tell the listener too? Um, yeah, so Knowledge for Men is a personal development website and a men's lifestyle website. So I started this website because well, in my probably from 18 to 22, I was always searching online for a website for men that would deliver good content, not like content that you would find on, not that these are bad brands or bad companies, but something like Maxim or FHM or Men's Health or even AskMen.com where you'd think that you would find some good content on that site. But what I found was that these websites are really just dumbed down versions of Playboy and these are like men's entertainment magazines and not men's lifestyle personal development um, you know, magazines that actually provide value and help you and help you become a better man. And, and I, I found that, you know, there's a lot of guys who have these same frustrations and they want to learn how to become better. They want to improve. They want to be surrounded by like-minded people. So I started messing around with this idea and purchased, uh, the blog, uh, the domain knowledgeformen.com and just started blogging and just started sharing some of the ideas that I had and some of the experiences I had in college and just, Kind of that. That's kind of how it got started, and uh, that's like the basics of how it got started. You felt like uh, a lot of stuff out there for men's lifestyle is kind of like tabloid stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really just there to it's just you know really engaging headlines with just some random content. Like right now, if we were to go to. <clears throat> I do this with some people who ask me. I'll just be like, check out whatever's on maxim.com. I'll just tell you some of the headlines that we got. <clears throat> So we got beat this caption and win a Duke Cannon soap and hatchet set. Air New Zealand in-flight safety videos. Star sexy swimsuit models. This week's porn star tweets. Mexican Coke and baby pandas. Inside this girl's sack. I mean, it's just it's just it's just entertainment. Like, and I mean, this is like where guys are going. And they, they do have you can find some stuff on here where you can find like some type of lifestyle stuff, but. And FHM is very similar, and so is Ask Men. And so that, that's what knowledge for men is, is providing knowledge for the men that really want to improve their life. Those websites don't really provide anything that you can use or apply, huh? Yeah, it's basically just entertainment, something just to keep you busy. Yeah, that's great. And I think, um, you know, as I was looking over your website and reading the kind of blog posts that you write, I mean, you re- write some really uh, long posts. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the average post. I remember when I was writing articles, they were saying the average post size should be about six hundred to eight hundred words, and anything above that would be like you know you're going way too far. It's not necessary. So I would I would write articles well well north of twenty five hundred <clears throat> words. Some of them are around five thousand words, just because I'm trying to solve the problem. Like I'm not writing articles. These are really guides that can help guys solve that problem. Um, so I have an article on how to, you know, becoming happy and I, I go through like what you need to let go to become happy. There's 21 things. I have an article about the 20 lessons to learn in your twenties about women and dating, or you can 
potentially become single forever. <laughs> um, there's just a ton of articles that I've written, and yeah, they are longer because I think they got to be longer to really solve that problem. Yeah, I think the other sites are just kind of putting a Band-Aid on the problem and not getting to the root of it. And um, I think a lot of people, at least the way, the way the Internet is going now, people are getting wary of these kind of uh, you know, short, crappy articles that don't really provide any value. I mean, we're so overwhelmed from all sides. Um, have you read the book... Uh, Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. No, I haven't. Okay, you've probably heard of him. But um, he yeah. talks about you know when, when newspapers first came out, they were a little more than just like you know, sensationalist news stories. And you had you know, street barkers on the corners you know, saying, you know, barking out the headlines and trying to sell copies of newspapers. Um, and then you know, later they shifted to like a subscription-based model where they deliver the newspapers to your home. And the quality of the articles you know, uh, increased dramatically. Um, and I think in the internet age, would you say that we're kind of going through that stage too, where I think like these, these articles that have a lot more substance are, are being better received? Absolutely. And I mean, I think across every board in internet marketing, it's like the bar is being elevated. Even if you look at like free opt-in products, like back in the day, a free opt-in, someone would opt into a newsletter just because you had one. If you just said, hey, sign up for my free newsletter, people would sign up for that. But nowadays, like you have to give an entire course. It's like there's guys like Neil, Neil Patel from Quicksprout. He gives away like a $300 course for free. And I'm seeing this across the board and everybody has to increase their level. Everyone has to increase the amount of content that they're giving away and I'm kind of scared where that's going it just seems like the bar the bar is being raised and if your competitor is giving away something that's potentially worth a couple hundred dollars for free it's like you got to do the same too otherwise you know your competitor is going to own you so are there any shortcuts as far as uh you know being ahead of the curve with this or I, I think just always delivering good content will always content will always be king it's like mm -hmm. uh the best shortcut is just the longest route, <laughs> unfortunately. Are you familiar with the concept of the lazy programmer, by any chance? No, I'm not. Okay, well, lazy programmer is like, um, you know, there's some coders out there who insist on uh, writing all their code from scratch. Um, and then there's, there's like the lazy programmer will say, you know, this coder already did this great uh, you know, job with this, this, let's just take this and then just expand on that, for instance. Yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a, a rush to produce uh, a lot of high-quality content fast, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, the demand is high, and the demand to produce content is always there. If you, if you, have, if you have a niche, uh, they're hungry for content, and it's like you, I can't ever keep up with how much content that they want. Yeah, and you say that you have like a system or a, a philosophy for viral articles. Yeah, um, I was writing articles and I got lucky. Literally, I quit my job and then I started writing this article called The 13 Lessons to Learn in Your 20s to Discover Yourself. And I put my heart and energy into that post. Like, I spent a good week just writing and writing and I came up with more than 13 and just narrowed it down to the, the best 13 that, uh, lessons that I had. And I got lucky because literally the next day, my server had crashed and I had over 30,000 visitors. Uh, who just who, I, the article went viral, and uh, now it's it's uh, six months later. It's gone on. It's had close to uh, like 150,000 views. It continues to bring in uh, like several like a hundred at least a couple hundred uh, every day ever since then. 
And so I thought I got lucky and I wanted to figure out like, what did I do? Like what worked? Cause I had no strategy for writing content at the time. I was just writing. And you went so from I, uh, you went from a, like a hundred pages a day to 30,000 or something, right? Yeah. I went, I went from getting a hundred or close to like, like 300, 400, 500 uh, views a month to, to a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand, yeah, a hundred thousand views a month, uh, w- within about two months. And it, it was pretty regular. It's just whenever I would pump out a new article, um, it would, it would go viral and then people would see the other articles that went viral in the past and they would, they would look at those and they would share those. And it was just this chain reaction of, of just all these articles just being thrown over the internet, just going, you know, spreading across virally. What are some <laughs> of the, what are some of the common elements of these articles? Yeah. So, one one for sure thing that like you can't you can't ever underestimate is like like I said earlier the content has to be really good and I did mention I spent like weeks writing these articles so instead of pumping out an article every day or instead of pumping out uh, <clears throat> turn this off instead of pumping out like two three articles a day like you see some blogs do or 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 just one a day you know I I would just do like one a week <laughs> mm-hmm. I would do one a week or one every other week because I would spend so much time on it so the first thing that has to go down is you have to have new content that people it needs to be good content and I think it needs to be new content um that's got to be there like primarily that is number one and you can't skip you can't take any shortcuts with that you have to do your research you have to find new information you have to support it and secondly like I had really vivid images um, I think oh, I see a lot of articles and it's just uh, one photo and I use I use in some of my articles I use like five or six photos because the articles are so long so I use very vivid uh, engaging photos I spend a lot of time on selecting the photo that's going to engage the reader and make sense with what what's with the words around it and also your headlines have to be there like a headline is is what can make or break your article because that's that's going to determine whether or not people click on it when they see it in social media when they see it in a social bookmarking site or when you email your email list your headline has to be there so i mean I, i'd be testing uh subject lines i look um there's a book called cash advertising um it cash basically advertising? Just, yeah have you heard of it who's the author Man, I don't know, but we could look it up. <laughs> okay. Uh, cash advertising. But I read that and I would use this when I write my headlines. And it's basically the title is Cash Advertising, like advertising. How to use more than a hundred secrets of ad agency psychology to make big money selling anything to anyone. And I know that sounds kind of bad, but I mean if you have good content and you're trying to share it, you want to use the right words and the right language to make sure that people are gonna engage with your content. Otherwise they'll never open it and all that work that you did went to no- nothing. Second uh third, uh, so it's it's good content, it's it's vivid images, it's headlines have to be there. And fourth, all most of my viral articles are all numbered lists. And I think uh, I think a lot of people may not like that, or they don't want to write uh, an article in a numbered list. But that's what works. Like that's what engages people. Um, also, if you notice some of my articles, I'll say the thirteen lessons. So mm-hmm. that's the numbered list to learn in your twenties. So I select a target. I select. I mean, it goes for anybody, but I just say in your twenties. Because if you're in your 20s, you're for sure going to want to read this. And if you're in your 30s, you're probably like, what didn't I learn in my 20s? Yeah. So it's like I'm really engaging people um, in order to discover yourself. So it hits different, <clears throat> different points there. Also, yeah. quote quotes, people love quotes. And uh, if, I, if you have an engaging quote, I know that sounds like – but all my articles are going to contain quotes. And it's good content, good images, great headlines, um, and then, and then having good quotes. 
<clears throat> Those okay, are some so, of the things. Yeah, well, you shared a lot of awesome tactics, but let's let's talk about strategy a little bit because, um, like, as far as the ideas for the content and the writing itself, um, and also how to get how to get people to share this stuff. So, yeah. I guess one thing at a time. I mean, would you say that the best articles are things that you know satisfy basic urges, like human urges, like love and money and success? Or, absolutely, you know. absolutely. Um, in in the book, Castratizing, it talks about it talks about the elements of of what triggers human emotion, and so you named some of them right there. Like relationships will always be there. Like uh, life advice, like health and fitness. There's things that humans will always want, and that trigger. Uh, there are words you can use that will trigger those emotions. So yeah, I, I was writing some of my articles based <clears throat> on based on what that book suggested, and also like what kind of knowledge and background and experiences that I had. So uh, let's let's go back a second. So like in the writing itself, I mean, you obviously engage the the reader when you. I mean, you're a good writer. Obviously, you say uh, you kind of tell your own story in your articles, like your uh, sticky post, and um, you just say like uh, kind of like your insecurities and whatnot. You find like that helps you to engage the reader by sharing yeah. your insecurities or. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, really just be authentic when you write. Um, people want to get to know you. They want to know like who you are and they love the authenticity. I uh, actually wrote down a few things here. Um, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so being authentic and just say what you want to say and disregard all academic writing. With blog posts, like blogs, I feel like are just – so regular, you know, people just want to come, they want to read something and they want to connect and, and you can connect with them by just being yourself, being authentic and get rid of the academic writing. Like academic writing can, it was really hard for me when I first started blogging. Um, yeah. Cause before when I was, before I quit my job, I was, I was working. So, you know, I really wasn't spending that much time on my articles and I was just kind of, I was just, I was just writing very academically and it doesn't connect with people. So like, I know that's hard. It's so, it doesn't sound like that much, but it means a lot when you can write just how you want to write, like whatever you're thinking, just write it. And, uh, usually the way you're thinking is like how other people can really connect with you. So, and so care less about what others think too, if that even makes sense. Just, you, you got to just write and not think like, Oh, does that make sense? Just write, just write everything. And, um, and don't be afraid to make like, you know, say things that might offend people. Just say exactly what you want to say and uh, you'll you'll get some negative feedback. But for the people who do connect with you, they're going to love you that much more. I noticed that your writing seems to be very uh, me to you also. Like it's just, uh, you know, us two in the room here. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's just the authentic. Like I'm trying to talk to you like uh, like I'm just telling you my story or like we're just sitting down having coffee. So let me ask you, how did you uh, find your voice or develop your voice when, in your writing? I mean, you're obviously working at Target. You don't have a background in, in writing. so. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, I just, I just started writing. <laughs> like, it's like I, I wasn't successful. Like I, I said I quit my job and then all, you know, the next week I had 30,000 views. And that month I had almost over 100,000. But, but really before that, there was a whole series of writing that I had the – I had the domain for like a year and a half and I was writing articles, but they weren't going anywhere. It was like nothing that I was doing was really working for like a year. So it took, it took a while. I mean, I, I definitely put in a lot of time with the writing. It didn't just happen overnight. And, um, 
honestly also like following others who who write like i read tim ferris's blog i read other blogs um leo babauta's blog scott dinsmore's live your yeah things and, and over time you really just start to find your own voice especially when you have like a tragic not tragic but when you have like a life-altering you know event that happens in your life like i quit my job i broke up with my girlfriend i had just graduated college it was like so much had happened that i had so much energy and passion behind uh you know behind the words that i was typing when you got those uh those viral posts out there you got thirty thousand views i mean were you able to do anything with that were you able to capture that traffic or monetize it no. So yeah, when I first started, I, I had no idea that it was going to go viral. I was just writing. I didn't know that anything big was going to happen. I, I quit my job. I started, I started writing full time, but I didn't know that that next week was going to be like the time uh, to, you know, I could have started doing something. So I didn't, I didn't really start monetizing for a while. All I was doing was collecting emails and just building an email list. <clears throat> However, it wasn't even set up when I first started. <laughs> so like I lost a lot of traffic, but I definitely learned the skill and uh, those articles still bring in uh, a good amount of traffic. How big is your mailing list now? It's, it's only 1800. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's the mailing list has been, it's been, uh, that's a whole thing that I've been working on too, is learning how to optimize my, my opt-in pages, how to deliver better products and still working with like AB testing on different opt-in pages. But I, I do have one opt-in page right now that's converting at uh, the last I checked it was sixty-nine percent. What's uh, what's the opt-in for? Uh, for my email list, I could I could send you the link. Oh, okay. I mean, what's what's the uh, giveaway or whatever? It's four. I just sent you the link there, but it's four little guides that I wrote. One's on dating. Uh, one's on financial freedom. The other's on finding your passion. And a, a short one on health, and then I, I did a three-hour video lesson with a with a dating coach. So I mean, there's a lot of value that you're getting. It's not like a, a, a little cheap five-step thing. And these are all ebook guides. They're guides, yeah. They're all they're all digital products. As soon as you sign up, I'm going to email you uh, all those. They're all PDFs, and then a link to the video. Okay, we'll have to sign up for your mailing list then too. After this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of value in that. Yeah. Um. And that's that's an interesting point too. Like you wrote an ebook, I guess, under the name uh, Anthony Davis. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, how did you, how did you get into that? Like you, you said, you just you just wanted to put something together. I mean, were you able to make were you able to monetize any of this for the first few years or what? Yeah, yeah. So if we take a step back from uh-huh. knowledge knowledge for men and like before it even existed, I was uh I had a breakup and I, I was just really like heartbroken. So I started just reading a lot of content on dating and relationships and really improved that area of my life. And I started taking notes on what worked and what didn't work. And I eventually had this list of things that really worked well for me. And I was dating a lot of girls that I wanted to date and was really successful. And so I started helping a lot of guys. I used to work at at the Apple store in La Jolla, San Diego. And I was just helping out all the guys there. I mean, a lot of those guys aren't, they may not have been like the, (laughs) the best with women. So I was just helping them out. I think, you know, they're my coworkers. It was all good. And eventually some, somebody asked me a question and I was like, Oh, I don't know. Let me check out my notes. And he's like, what notes? I was like, yeah, I have a notes with like all my experiences on. I'll have to check that out. I'll get back to you. And he was like, no way. I'll buy those notes off you. I was like, how much? He's like, 10 bucks. And so I just emailed him the notes. And then um, that pretty much, I, that was the first moment when I realized that I had a skill or something that I could sell. And so I eventually, you know, redid the notes and made it into a more, you know, something that you could sell. And I basically turned that into two ebooks 
I didn't want to do it under my name because I had no idea. I was just, this was an experiment. And I, I created two ebooks in college uh, called Men's Book of Knowledge A Simple Guide to, uh, A Simple Guide on Being a Man, uh, Meeting and Attracting Women. And those books, uh, interestingly enough, have been selling ever since. Like, I'll make, I'll, I'll probably sell like anywhere from uh, 50 to 100 of those books uh, every month. Well, that's a eight ninety nine uh, Kindle book, right? Yeah, so I have two of them, and mm-hmm. basically I started out at ninety nine cents, and I would make like thirty bucks a month, and then I raised it to two ninety nine, and I made like hundred bucks, and then I raised it to four ninety nine, and I made like four hundred bucks, and then I raised it to eight ninety nine, and I started making like more money. It was funny; it was the same <laughs> same product, but I just kept increasing the value to see like what would what are people willing to pay, and the more that I charge, the the higher the intrinsic value of the product went up. And these are just about uh, forty-page books, right? Yeah, these are like fifty-page eBooks that I wrote in college. I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't connect it with knowledge for men. It's something that I wrote in high school, and I, you know, at the time too, it's it's not my my best creative work, but it was a part of the learning process for me. That's amazing, though. You you wrote these uh, what three four years ago, and you're still getting cash. Yeah, in? yeah. I mean, I, I made a I made a decent amount. I mean, I have to report this royalties on my taxes. Uh, have you thought about uh, pursuing this Kindle publishing further? Absolutely, yeah. I do plan on launching some some more books. And uh, I mean, there's been a lot of experiences. And I could write about so many different topics. So I feel absolutely. I, I could see myself publishing some books uh, possibly towards the end of this year or even next year as well. What are some of the elements of uh, successful Kindle publishing? Yeah, so I mean, just like honestly, it's all very similar like podcasts um, and because and, and Kindle publishing, you, you want high rankings. You have to have a good product. Like no matter what, you have to have a good product. So you can't try and be like, oh, hopefully, like you know, marketing will outdo the product. If you if you have a good product, then you just want to focus on getting reviews. So re- if you have g- reviews and you're consistently getting reviews, then you're going to start ranking higher. And the same goes with podcasts. I have a podcast, and if you have good reviews coming in on a consistent basis, iTunes will bump you up slowly. And the higher you go, then people are going to naturally and organically find you or purchase your book or download your podcast. And then if it's good content, they're going to be like, oh, cool. And then they're just going to start, you know, they're going to become regulars, they become subscribers, or they're just going to purchase that book. So have good content and then focus on getting reviews. And it's hard to get reviews if you don't have a community. Um, I had a podcast, so I was able to talk to my community and then leverage some of my friends. But with my books, what I was doing, honestly, I was just leveraging my friends and family, which is, which is, you know, that's normal. <laughs> I mean, just leverage your friends and family like like any business would do. I mean, Steve Jobs leveraged his business or his friends and family when he first started. You know, Mark Zuckerberg leveraged his friends when he first started. Leverage the people that you know. It's like you don't have to have an email list to get something going. You already have a list and it's your phone. Yeah, just everybody's got uh, people in their network they could ask, I'm sure, right? Maybe Absolutely. And yeah, that's it. Get get some reviews going. And if you have a good product, like when I say get some reviews going, I'm like five reviews a week. And then in, in less than like three months, you're going to have 15 reviews and then you're going to start getting natural reviews, especially if you have a good product and it can start to take off from there. Can, can you go on a website like uh, Microworkers or something and ask people to write reviews for you or... Those are, yeah. probably, those are probably not look too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, yeah. You can gray hat, you can gray hat or black hat, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, <laughs> the review system. I mean, you could just pay someone to do it. But I would recommend yeah. not doing that. But if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but but those reviews help you uh, get higher up in Amazon search or or yeah. I mean, come? I I honestly don't pay too. I I did it for two three months, yeah. but I don't pay too much attention to the books anymore. But gotcha. I do I do know that that those reviews that I got in uh, from friends and family boosted the rankings, and I saw my book go up, and then. As soon as that happened, I started seeing a, an increase in sales. And then now it's pretty much a steady flow. I mean, people know where it is. You can find it. and uh, But it, it's not something I pay too much attention to now. I'm more into the Knowledge for Men blog and podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting stuff, though. Um, would you say – let me ask you one more question about it. Uh, would you say someone who's writing like, – like myself who's writing a longer book of like you know, 400, 500 pages – um, is it better to have one big book with like five different parts to it or to have five different books that are, are smaller, you know, like uh, 50, 60 pages or 80 pages? Um, yeah, I think it depends on what you want to do. Really? But but in my opinion, if you broke it down, you'd probably get more sales. And then if, if yeah, if you broke it down, because then some people would only want that one thing. And the intrinsic value might go up because it's like, oh, there's a book especially made for this specific, you know, when you niche it down, the value can go up. But if you have this big book that solves all these different problems, it's like, oh, does it really go into detail? Is, or is he just like, nit, you know, t- nitpicking a little bit of, on each idea? Yeah, but I think uh, some books like The 4-Hour Workweek or 4-Hour Chef, I mean, they obviously cover a lot of topics too, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and so that's what I was saying. Like, it depends yeah. on what you want to do. If you're trying to get like bestseller status, if you have a lot of good content, then, then you know that might be one route to go. Gotcha. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I've often thought about that myself with my own book, what, how I should launch it. So, <clears throat> Cool. Um, we kind of glossed over it earlier, but... Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit more about your uh, personal background before I get back to the blog and the podcast? Um, some of the I want to know some of like the the lowest points and some of the highest points, you know, challenges, but also uh, some of the successes as well, the triumphs. Yeah, lowest points would be uh, just I mean fairly normal childhood suburban community, Temecula, California, and mm-hmm. then parents got divorced. I started doing a lot of drugs and alcohol and. Basically, was getting in a lot of trouble in my neighborhood. I was, I knew like the cops had a probation officer. Um, really wasn't interested in college. I, I was just getting in trouble. I ended up, my mom took me to the Philippines to see my family. Um, I'm half Filipino, so I saw some family there. I, I basically had a very eye opening experience there because I saw a level of poverty. There's two sides to it there's a lot of rich people and there's a, a high level of poverty, just like most third world countries. And I came back with a whole new vision on just how grateful I was to be living in America and the opportunities that I had. So I enrolled at Mesa College, San Diego, and uh, for the first time ever, I was getting A's uh, throughout. In you know, in high school, I didn't get A's. I was like a C student, C student, <laughs> like borderline. Like I should have got an F, but the teacher like liked me, so she gave me a C minus. And uh, so in college, I, I just blasted through Mesa College, um, took it very seriously. I was getting A's. I started at the bottom, by the way. Like I had to take like remedial English classes. Like I had to learn where to put my periods and commas. Uh, English 43 is what they called it. And I had to take three English classes before I could take an English class that was cons- considered collegiate. Um, I ended up fit going through that and was taking like 18 units every semester, summer school every semester. 
and then transferred to San Diego State University and then just went all out, just got involved in the Entrepreneur Society, got involved in fraternity. I worked for the school. I lived on school and I had a great college uh, experience uh, at San Diego State and through the Entrepreneur Society, it's where I really developed a lot of the skills that I have right now. Awesome. Um, what would you say are some of the uh, highlights since, uh, of your success? Highlights of the success? Uh, yeah, I mean, since you started your you started getting these viral articles and uh, you're getting your podcast going. Yeah, honestly, like the best the best things have been like just my whole perception on entrepreneurship and and just understanding like what it, what it means to really build build a business and I just feel like I know something when <laughs> I feel like I really know something compared to a lot of other people like just working a corporate job. Like I understand you got to like leverage your time and build systems and scale, scale the problem that you can solve. And I just feel really fortunate to have that education. Um, the the biggest highlights though would be really, I mean, writing the viral articles is really cool. I'm really proud that I, I was able to do that and will continue to do that. But the podcast has been Honestly, I'm not getting that much traffic from the podcast. Like, I know I, I can look at my analytics, and uh, honestly, it's really just about the people that I'm interviewing and the connections and, and relationships that I'm building with such high level people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've interviewed, I've had the opportunity to interview some of some of my favorite <clears throat> authors. Like, I interviewed Robert Greene, and he's one of my favorite authors, and just I was able to get to know him on a personal level. I interviewed Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos. I mean. It's just insane. Like I just I just finished up an interview with T. Harv Ecker, the the author of the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and like you know the interview was only supposed to last thirty minutes. We ended up going like an hour and a half, and just re- really got to know him. Like it, he introduced me to like his son, and like we're ta- we were just talking before uh, this interview that we had here, and it's just crazy. Like the connections you can build, and it really just shows me how small this world is, and. Uh, I'm just learning so much from these people. So, I mean, the podcast is really a learning experience for myself uh, while, you know, the community that I'm serving is, is, is learning as well. How do you get these people, uh, these authors to agree to be interviewed and how do you contact them? Um, yes, I get that question a lot. Um, it, uh, it's, it's not, it's definitely not luck. I would say like I paid my dues, I could say with the blog because the blog, I never, I never really monetized the blog. Like I was, I tried a few things, but um, it never really took off the way I thought it would. So the blog has traffic. And because I have traffic and there's a lot of eyes and I have a specific demographic that goes to my blog, I can then use this to approach other authors and, and other speakers and say, hey, look, I have this traffic. Um, I'll, I can interview you and I can make a blog post and I could share this with my community. And so literally that's that's how I can I got some early people. Um, and then the second thing, so I had value. I was offering value to my to my guests um i wasn't just like oh hopefully he wants to be on my show because i didn't even have the a podcast before before when i was interviewing people i didn't even have the podcast like i was interviewing huge guys and, and i had no podcast they're like where's your podcast i was like i haven't launched yet <laughs> so it was really hard to get these guys on the show at first um and then once i started getting a few key people i would leverage those names to get even larger people but the big thing is is though is like i mean that sound you probably can find all that information everywhere but I, for me what it was was just not caring um mm-hmm. like not I, i've got, i used to do like really crazy challenges or i would just kind of put myself out there and try new things and uh learning how to handle rejection is really so powerful in business and and just so powerful in, in relationships and so powerful in in life like your ability to handle rejections so i i would send out emails to everyone like people that i never thought that i could get i would send emails out to and um 
like I, I sent emails out to actors. Like I sent emails out to Justin Bieber because I thought it'd be funny if I could get him on the show. I've sent emails out to um, <laughs> like uh, President Bill, uh, the former President Bill Clinton, because I think that would be super funny. <laughs> How do you I, find I, these emails of Bill Clinton and Justin Bieber and stuff? Um, sometimes these are tweets or sometimes these are, uh, like I'm emailing, I'm not emailing that person directly, but just maybe somebody who like the assistant or <laughs> just Google the person's name and type in contact or, uh, you know, yeah. just, just start with that. Um, that's literally how I would do it. And I, I was able to get Tony Shea that way. I did not think that Tony Shea would respond to me, <laughs> but, but because I was able to do it, I literally got an email and he's like, okay. Um, I emailed, uh, did you have to like pitch to, uh, their self interest or like to common ground that you guys share? Like, did you have to do some background research on them first and say, Oh, you know, I love the article that you wrote or, you know, like any rapport building techniques. No, I honestly yeah. just, I just have, <laughs> yeah, you would think that that's what I was doing, but I just have a template email that I send out and it says who I am, what I do, how many viewers I get and the type of people that I have, like big stars that I, the biggest people I've had I, who I've interviewed. And then I just email like crazy. Like I don't, yeah. uh, I don't care basically. That and flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Cause they usually say, you know, you got to personalize, personalize, personalize. Yeah. Honestly, it's a template and then it's pretty short and sweet, but it's, it's very value giving. It's like, Hey, if you, you have, I make it kind of seem like, Hey, you have an opportunity to be on my show, but little do they know, like I'm, I'm doing this whole thing, like in my bedroom here. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you think you could send me a copy of that? Of my template email? Yeah, I, I won't. I won't steal it. I just want to check it out. Yeah, I can send it to you. Okay, just curious. I, I've seen some of your stuff. Like I saw your press release uh, that you wrote, and some other different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really interesting. And, and you mentioned rejection. I think another thing is uh, just asking, right? Because yeah, absolutely. Have you heard of this guy Jia Jiang? No, I haven't. Oh, he did this uh, this test, 100 days of no, where he just. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's called rejection therapy and uh, just just went around like making all these ridiculous requests. You know, he asked the lady to have a staring contest with her and, uh, you know, and like just these things are strangers and just the simple fact of asking, you know, makes it happen, really. Absolutely. And I, 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 I want to check that out again, but I highly recommend any type of challenge where you have to go out and do some weird fun things like that. I think uh, I personally did a 30-day challenge where I... I forced myself to talk to 10 girls a day and just see what would happen for 30 days. And, and that's where I learned a lot of that. I, I just built a rejection wall that, you know, it doesn't, nothing can really phase me. Like getting rejected by like over a hundred or by, by like 200 girls in 30 days is, is a lot to get. So <laughs> I was able to use some of that and just apply that into, into business or even when I'm approaching people, like I haven't, I haven't told anybody this yet, but I just landed, uh, I was at the traffic and conversion summit in San Diego and Kevin Harrington was one of the keynote speakers, the former shark tank judge. And at the end of it, um, you know, he got bombarded with all these people, of course, and he had bodyguards and I just went through there and, uh, I just started yelling out, you know, I just started yelling out like uh, who I am and uh, how much value that I can give you. <laughs> like I just started saying, I have a podcast. Like I'm getting a hundred thousand downloads a month. And I just started yelling and, and lo- I saw him look over at me and I just saying like, I can, I can send tons of traffic to your website. And I just started yelling at him and he's like, Hey, co- <laughs> Hey, come here. And then I just basically told him in like 
I told him so much in like 10 seconds. I was just like, this is what I do. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like, okay, awesome. I was like, I'd like to have you on the show. I can send you a ton of traffic. I can help you sell a product. Um, cause I saw that he was selling a product, like a digital product on how to raise money. And I was like, we can promote that. I'll send you a ton of traffic. You're going to get thousands of listeners. And this is all true. I'm not making up numbers. And he's basically was just like, all right, let's do it. I'd be happy to be on the show. And, uh, he gave me his business card and, and it was just something like that. Like I had to climb through all these people. I had to yell. And uh, <laughs> I, I just I, di- I didn't care. And everyone else was just like trying to get a picture with him. And I was trying to offer him value. I was trying to give yeah. him something. So well, why is, why is it, what is it the thing that separates you from – you obviously take action. You take this – you yell at this guy. You, you uh, go and do all this rejection therapy for 30 days um, while most people are content to just be passive uh, you know, observers. What do you think is – what is it that motivates you? What's the critical trait that, that pushes you on to do these kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean the 30-day challenge was – I'm just an adventure. I just think it's funny. I think it's an adventure. I don't really look and take things personally. Um, I already know that I'm a little – I could be a little different at times and uh, I, I just – very comfortable with myself and – Well, Andrew, a, Andrew, let me put it another way though. Like uh, take yeah. the pickup community for example. Like – yeah. It's, it's a huge community these days, but I feel like, you know, 95% of the people in that community are, uh, you know, keyboard jockeys. Like they know everything there is to know about any interaction with a woman or any environment, uh, but they can't actually go out and, and do it, you know? Uh, yeah, no, that's very true. There are guys academic who are like... experts. Like what's, what is it? How can someone create that uh, trait, you know, of being a doer and not just a talker? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the first thing is, is, uh, I mean, you got to take massive action and you got to stop thinking, overwhelm your mind with action, like overwhelm that thinking mind, that little guy inside your head with action. And you have to overcome, uh, the resistance, the internal resistance in yourself. Um, I, I think overcoming fear and that internal resistance is, is going to help you take action and being okay with failure and understanding that it's just a part of the process. I, I like that, that I, I've never really done that before, like the whole yelling thing, but I, th- <laughs> but I think like, I think just be if if you can pu- do public speaking because that's something that I, I used to r- really enjoy doing and I think from things that I've read it's like that's something that some people fear the most in their life or they would rather jump off like a bridge than than do a public presentation and um, I think that's a great way to to break out and to really break through is public speaking that's kind of how I started with just kind of really being comfortable with myself and, and opening up. And that whole thing started in, in college and uh, all the organizations that I was a part of. Gotcha. And um, it seems like you also use uh, pain motivators too, or you had quite a few, uh, thinking about what you didn't want and what you didn't want in your life. And that kind of drove you on to do a lot of this stuff also, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting stuff. <laughs> um. So, uh, your podcast, is it a paid podcast? Is it a free podcast? I actually haven't, uh, uh, it's a free podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, the content on the podcast, I, you know, I personally think it's just, it's really powerful stuff. I, I go beyond, you get to know the, the person I'll get, I'll get guys to tell you things that they, they've just never shared before, or they'll tell you, th- <laughs> it goes real <laughs> deep and, uh, you know, I designed it that way to really engage with uh, with the guests, and I do a lot of research before each interview to ensure that I'm not asking just like the same questions that you know you're, you're going to hear in other podcasts or on YouTube. Right. So uh, the podcast is free, and the episodes are anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, uh, typically 45 minutes, 
and yeah, there it's full of engaging content. Uh, I recommend it for all for everyone. I mean, there's girls cool. that listen to some girls that listen to my podcast. And and how do you uh, when you get all this traffic? How do you monetize uh, all of it? Because you do Not, free free podcasts. You don't have any ads on your blog. Yeah, uh, that's that's always something I'm that's something I'm working on now. I mean, okay. <laughs> I I do coaching for podcasting. I, I do consulting uh, with blog with bloggers. Um, it's okay. interesting. All people, people from all walks of life, like are approaching me, uh, not just young guys and, and even women as well on podcasting. And, um, I had a mastermind group that I was running for a while. Uh, I called it the lion's den. I still want to go back to that, but kind of only lasted for a few months, but there's, I've experimented with a lot of different ways, but right now it seems to be consulting and selling affiliate promotions or affiliate products uh, to my to my subscribers that I've used or are highly relevant towards my audience. So it's it's mostly active income versus passive income, right? Right. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um, well, cool. Any anything else you want to say? Say or uh, we only have a few more minutes, so why don't you tell me something that most people don't know about you? Um, yeah, I used to, I used to train Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, uh, I trained for like two and a half to three years. And I think, um, yeah, um, it's kind of, I stopped for a while and I'll probably go back to it eventually, uh, as I, as I, maybe sometime later. Uh, but I think what you can learn from that is, is there's a lot of comparisons between martial arts and life. And specifically, I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is to really be humble and to really, to really just, Patience and being humble with the journey, and just just accepting where you are, because uh, because in jiu-jitsu, it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's like it, it's the the aggressive guy isn't necessarily going to win. The stronger guy is not necessarily going to win. It's the guy who understands where he is. It's the guy who understands the art of jiu-jitsu. It's going to be the and in many cases, especially for newer guys, especially if you're a bigger guy, like you're going to lose all the time to the small guy. <laughs> And it's going to really humble you. It's going to really like you're going to realize that, you know, your strength and, your, you know, your physical might isn't isn't what's going to get you isn't what's going to help you win. It's the guy who's patient. And uh, with patience, it's like jujitsu is a long journey and you get beat up a lot and you slowly learn, you slowly learn, you slowly learn. And then you get a belt promotion. You, you just keep getting beat up. You keep getting beat up. And uh, you slowly get your purple belt and you just keep getting beat up. And the entire way, even though you're getting promotions, you're just getting beat up the entire time. And you go to, you go to tournaments and you're like, oh, I'm ready. And then you just get beat up and you just get beat up. And then little do you know, though, that one day you're going to be uh, at the gym and some guy's going to come in and you're, I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to beat him up, but he's going to look at you like you're, like you're some sort of God. And you're going to be, he's going to, he's going to think that you are, that guy that you looked at when you first went to the gym. And that, that's a really cool experience. And I think there's a lot of similarities in there with life, which is like, you know, in life, you're always like if a promo- belt promotion is sim- similar <clears throat> to like a successful event in your life, it's like it doesn't mean it's the end. It's like you still keep going and no matter where you go, like you're continuously getting beat up and you just you just like enjoy where you are and you're just really patient with the process. You win by continually losing, right? Or taking your licks, like um, yeah, fail forward. Yeah, like Michael Jordan says, he misses most of uh, his shots, but it's the ones they does make that that uh, give him all those records and whatnot. Yeah, I, the guy who just stays in the ring the, the longest. Like if you just stay in and you keep practicing, I think, uh, and that goes with business too. Just like don't give up, just keep moving forward, keep moving forward, and take your wins. But just always know that you're you're a lifelong student. 
So um, can I ask you, so this is like a full-time income now for you now? Do you have any uh, job you do on the side or anything like that? No. Um, I, I was doing investments when I was uh, in college. I mean, that was also another thing, a hobby that I had is I was investing in stock companies. And one of them, I was investing in high schools when I started. And uh, one of them was Apple. And that was probably the smartest decision that I ever made. I was, <laughs> I was buying Apple at $70 a share. Wow. So, so some of that income I still actually have. And that's what's helped me, especially in the early days when I started Knowledge Ferment and when I quit my job. It's just, so I had savings before I kind of jumped in. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Uh, so, Andrew, what's uh, next for you? Where do you see yourself going in the next few years or the next 10 years? Uh, 10 years. <laughs> I mean, the next few years, I can definitely answer. The podcast will be growing. I'll be getting higher level guests. I want to eventually just just have very high level guests like celebrities, different different people that you, that you even see on TV and really get to know, know them. Uh, the blog will be continuously growing. Uh, I plan on having a full lineup of products in different niches, different industries, and um, and also getting into speaking as well and just helping other guys build their businesses as well. So knowledge for men is the personal development side, and then I also want to have like an internet marketing uh consulting business where I'm helping other people grow podcasts, helping other people grow blogs. I'm really interested in helping people create movements through, uh, through, uh, just through the internet, through blogging and podcasting. So just keep, you're going to keep, uh, pushing the envelope, creating new products and, uh, yeah, just get a whole, get a whole system out for knowledge for men. And then with all the things that I learn, I want to turn around and, and you know, once I can prove that like, Hey, I'm, like I know what I'm doing on on the online world and be able to go around and speak and help people build their own businesses as well. But the personal development side would be uh, knowledge for men, which I'm very passionate about. But yeah. I, I love, you know, helping people build businesses. I love pe- helping people, you know, start their own podcast and blog because it's, it's a great platform that you can use that's relatively a very low cost and you can impact thousands, if not millions of lives. And this is an asset that you'll own forever also for the rest of your life, right? Absolutely. And you, you definitely feel like this is uh, you're following your life's purpose. I'm so committed to what I'm doing. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. Um, I can't imagine like what I used to do. I, I used to, <laughs> I, I felt like a zombie when I was working when I was managing a retail store. Feels great, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, cool, man. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I know you got to get out of here soon. So um, thank you so much for your time. You shared a lot of great stuff in this interview and. Uh, Look forward to sending you the feature once it's ready. All right. Right on, man. Thank you so much. Glad to be on your show. Yeah, thank you. Have a good night.